this week is uh, the week that we have been waiting for for many, many months. It is the week when we say goodbye to 2020. <laughs> and say hello to 2021. Yes, absolutely. But of course, it's not just looking at colleagues in a calendar that is really going to make all the difference. I mean, it's just simply, you know, what we do. But um, we need to find something else really to, to make a difference. The coronavirus has had all kinds of casualties. As Boris has just mentioned, those who have uh, faced the physical effects of the virus. But uh, there's also other things that really have not uh, really uh, had quite the exposure that. Uh, that the physical effects of that, things like depression, things like isolation, uh, people who uh, have had to deal with the fear behind it. And uh, for a lot of us, that, that has uh, taken a toll and has had some effects individually and as a society. And one thing I've noticed is that as people become more isolated, they also become more self-focused, less kind, less understanding of others, less tolerant. And there are those who have used the virus, I think, as a convenient excuse to get their own way to advance their own interests. So we, especially as Christians, we defined in this new year, we look ahead, and we need to find more tenderness, more selflessness, more grace. And the wise men in the Christmas story that uh, we are talking about today set out in need of that same grace. They needed that grace. People are drawing into this search for that grace even today. Now, this is a well-known story about the three wise men, about the three magi. We can see, you know, I think a great tradition in these parts is the, the tradition in Todd Park, where we've got the three wise men that are set up there and they get moved every day toward the manger. I, th- I hope that's a tradition that never goes away. And it's going to be kind of marked for some people that might not even be all that in tune with the Christmas story. Mark the progression toward Christmas. But there's far more to it than what a city park might be able to communicate. Far more to the story. Theirs was a divided world as well as ours. There were those who were Roman citizens and those who were not. There were those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles or Greeks. There were those who were part of the Roman Empire, and there were those who opposed the Roman Empire. The Roman military machines seemed at times to be invincible, that they would conquer all kinds of nations and peoples. But there was one group of people, one, one group that was considered to be so fearsome because they were unconquerable. The Romans could not defeat them. Those were the Parthians. And the Parthian Empire once stretched from the Mediterranean Sea all the way through to uh, through China, or to China, through India. It is uh, centered anyway in the area of what is now Iran, uh, and uh, included a lot in, in that area. The Parthian Empire was feared, feared among the Romans and the Roman citizens, especially in, in the eastern part of the empire. It was the area, the land in which uh, many several of the biblical books in the way uh, were placed and written, uh, such as Esther and Daniel and Crassus, who was one of the uh, co-leaders of the Roman Empire, along with Julius Caesar at one point in time. 
led Roman legions against the Parthians. And not only were those Roman legions defeated by the Parthians, but they were wiped out by the Parthians. And the Crossus himself was killed in battle, leading, you know, taking away the Julius Caesar to become Julius Caesar. Now, when John wrote, the Apostle John wrote in the book of Revelation about the four horsemen of the Apocalypse, the people that were John's early readers would have depicted, or not depicted, but rather pictured, these four horsemen as being the Parthian cavalry, because they were these fearsome cavalry where they would ride in the battle. They had actually two kinds of cavalry. One was the heavy cavalry in, in armor, and the other kind were the cavalry archers. And really, it was the archers that were the most fearsome ones, because they had unique techniques where they would hang out the one side of the horse while shooting their bow and arrow, uh, shooting the arrow from a bow uh, at the enemy. It was uh, called the Parthian Sight. It was an amazing technique that uh, the Romans just couldn't, couldn't contend with. The Romans figured that um, the only thing that was holding back the Parthians from an invasion was the Euphrates River. And that if any Parthian, it was, it was said that if any Parthian would cross the Euphrates, it was for one purpose only, and that was to go to war. Yet here were three Parthians who showed up on the doorstep of King Herod. The three wise men are Magi, we call them. No wonder Jerusalem, as the story goes in, in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, no wonder the, the entire city of Jerusalem is described as being disturbed by their presence. Parthian society was divided into classes as were most societies. At the top were the kings. The very next layer, though, were the priests, which would be the magi. Which means that these weren't exactly the three kings of Orient Empire, but it was close. They were very close. They were advisors to the kings. They had all power and the authority of those kings. They represented those kings when they traveled, such as they did here to Herod. And imagine now the surprise that Herod would have had when he found these three showing up on his doorstep. So why did they come? Why did they seek out this particular baby? What would be so important that they would come into enemy territory because this is what this was? Enemy territory, as a matter of fact, Herod himself had, had built, constructed several forts along the eastern edge of his kingdom to keep away the Parthians. Why would they go past their forts to Herod's doorstep? There had to be something powerful enough to motivate these three to come to find this father. But Jesus, the next little baby, was an embodiment of God's grace. Mercy, which was more precious and more rare and more to be treasured than any of those treasures that the Magi would decide to bring into the baby. And in this story, we can find glimpses of the grace that God has for us. So let's take a look at those glimpses of grace in this story. Grace, first of all, grace is the opposite of so much of what's out there today. Today, you know, you might find that, that you know, people, I think, have gotten a little bit more judgmental. And uh, if, if you want acceptance, you're going to have to check all the boxes. But grace 
is something that practically practically accepted as a question for you. This is what it's human. Faith is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem and saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers a fish that they are that you will die. But Jesus saying, Come to me, all you who are weary. He's not weary in this topic. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Grace is a powerful force that sets you free from the bondage of this world. It is needed so badly that, that when a person realizes what they really need in life, they're like the psalmist who said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. But in that wildness, and I saw him myself. And the journey began before these many crowded months. Before the star appeared. And there we see the first glimpse of God's grace, providing something that they could not possibly provide for themselves. And that was God's word. It began, the story began by them reading God's word. They would not have known how to respond to the star once it appeared had they not read God's word. They wouldn't know the meaning of the star had they not read God's word and read there what it was all about. Now, you know, it's difficult many times for people to see the force of the trees when we're in the midst of things, when we're in the midst of circumstances, when we're in the midst of difficulties, or challenging years like 2020. It's difficult to see the force of the trees. It was difficult as well for the Jews to see what God might be up to when they went into exile. They were forced into exile to go to Babylon. But there, by going into exile, by leaving behind the promised land, by leaving behind all that they had come to know and love and treasure, and going to Babylon, what that did was it opened up the doorway for people like Daniel and his friends to become what really was the equivalent of Magi in the Babylonian Empire. And there they brought to the Babylonian Empire, they brought the scriptures. They brought the Bible. And they left that behind for future Magi to read. So now these very magi were able to read the Jewish scriptures and read prophecies about the coming Messiah, the coming King of the Jews. They could read in Numbers 24, for example, where it says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter, as in royalty, will rise out of Israel. And alongside of that prophecy, there were many other prophecies that they could read and they could Fill out the entire picture to see that this would be a new king coming to Israel who would have an established eternal kingdom. So, this would be kind of unlike any other. So, the non-violent, as what they were, were priests and philosophers and religious leaders and, and the religious, and then along comes the star and they could interpret it and, and give it meaning. But the very first thing that they could not provide for themselves that was a sign, a glimpse of the grace of God, is the very appearance of the Word of God that they were able to read. You know, it's oftentimes impossible to see what God is up to when we're going through challenging times. Give it a pull back to the balcony, you know, so to speak. It's not that they're sitting in the balcony, but 
and pull back to the balcony, figuratively speaking, and look at them until much after the fact. But then when you do, you can look at it and see God's signature and see that God actually was there all along. And again, God does leave behind his glimpses of grace. The will of God is the first sign of God's grace. The next sign of God's grace is the song. The song. Even though they can read about these things in God's word, how are they going to find this thing? How would they know when he appears? And that's where the star came in. And they couldn't provide the star for themselves. That was God's dream. So God provided the star and the star to these people who were astronomers and, and religious leaders. And there they, they, they saw it, and there was an unusual appearance. And this was not any old, ordinary star by any stretch of imagination. It was a star that moved. So they followed the star. And for many, many, many generations, sailors have long navigated by the stars, and now these magi were going to navigate by the stars as well, which led them to Herod's birthday. Now, I would think that the end of their journey would be the most difficult part of the journey, because leading up to that point, they would just simply follow the star in the distance and, and, and head in that direction. But now that they are close, how is the star going to pinpoint where the Messiah was? So they went to the most logical place, especially since Bethlehem was close by. Therefore, the star was kind of generally illuminating the area. And they said, well, what more logical place for a king to be born but into the family of the existing king? So they went from his door, looking for the newborn king, but he wasn't to be found there. And so he was to be found in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a feeding stable. They never would have found him in a million years had God not provided the way. Had he not done that by providing that star, so the star is a sign of God's grace. God has provided you with things and people in your life, with circumstances to guide you in life along the way, to lead you away from the darkness and into His light. Some of that might not be all that easy. Some, well, you might go through some dark nights of the soul as you try to figure things out. You might go through some challenging times. But God uses those things to guide you, to lead you, to, to point you in a particular direction where He waits to refresh you. And that's grace. The sign of the mercy. The star. That's such a sign of God's grace and mercy. Then there was the census. Oh, people hated the census. Now, the census was not something they would do regularly. It wasn't like here now, or, you know, every 10 years, and it's pretty painless, you know. But, but in those days, it was very painful, and it wasn't regular. It, what they would do periodically, when a leader would get kind of some wild hair about it, he would declare a census. And the census was really for the purpose of taxation. So, in this particular case, the census was given, and people needed to be uprooted. But the prophecies, in order for them to be fulfilled, needed something like the census to happen. Because how else would this couple go from one end of the country to the other end of the country? Why would they ever leave Nazareth at a time when Mary was about to give birth? It simply wouldn't happen. But God provided a census so that they would be forced to leave Nazareth and go down to Bethlehem where the prophecy about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem could possibly be fulfilled. And how improbable it's still that 
the, this child would be born in such humble circumstances to this poor couple. But that too was necessary to fulfill the prophecy, to demonstrate that the Messiah would not come just to benefit kings and magi, but to common people like you and me. So yes, the truth is success with a child of God's grace. And then there was the mission that was fulfilled in the baby. The very reason for the baby coming in the first place was the mission that God really put into place as soon as Adam and Eve committed that first sin. The mission to reconcile people to God, to bring them back to Him, to set them free from the things that enslaved them, from human cruelty, from stupid human disease, from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. The mission was what brought the baby there from slavery to freedom to, find, to be found now in God's grace and to find God's mercy. The baby himself was God's son. As the angel said to the shepherds, today we're going to find the city of David the son. And the son of the baby wrapped himself in the eye of an angel. Now, none of this would have happened, none of these things would have happened apart from God's action. The wise men couldn't cause them to happen. Now, the people in Bethlehem couldn't cause them to happen. Herod couldn't cause them to happen. All of them happened because God acted, because God did something. And that's God's mercy. That's God's grace. This is all around you, even today. Now, if you go through a time like 2020, you know, we can, we can be so focused on those things that are challenging to make it through. But we can miss the things of God's grace. And what I encourage you with this today to start seeing, start sight, see God's grace around the signs of God's grace in your life. Many of you are going to find that you can have a weight lifted from your shoulders with new purpose and new joy in your life. And you not only see God's grace, but you lean into God's grace. And let that be your motivation in life. Look for God's grace and be guided by it because the child is born in the city of God and he is Christ the Lord. Let's follow him. Please stand with me.